that sound good? Or Can you all join me in an activity? Can we do that? If you're comfortable and willing, can you stand right where you're at? I want to practice a couple power poses. You ready for this? We're, we're going to start with the Superman. So I want you to spread your feet about shoulder width, make two fists, put them on your hips. And then repeat after me. Power. power. Awesome. Let's try another one. Are you ready? Now, if you're, if you're at a table, if there's a chair in front of you, maybe you're at home. If you're at home, I hope you're participating, okay? Kids at home, make sure your parents are participating. Just put your hands on the couch in front of you or the table in front of you. Just lean forward and put your hands on the table. And then repeat after me. Power. Power. Awesome. Okay, you may be seated. Let's try one other one while you're seated. Are you ready? Once you're seated, get comfortable. Just lean back in your chair. Maybe... Maybe you can fold your leg. I better not do that. Fold your leg, and then just put your hands behind your head. Repeat after me. Power. Power. All right. How do you feel? Awesome. That's great. Here's my next question. Do you feel weak today? Do you feel inadequate? Do you feel like you just kind of come up short? You don't really have what it takes. Maybe... You heard the news that your kids are going to be home for like a month over the Christmas break, and you feel like, oh boy. Or maybe you've been, you've been uh, I didn't bring my phone up, and you've been scrolling through social media, which I do not recommend. If you want to connect with somebody, go into social media with a purpose. Don't just scroll through aimlessly. But maybe you've been scrolling through social media. You see all the perfect smiles with the perfect Christmas decorations, with the perfect family, and maybe setting up the tree at your house is the biggest test you've ever had on your marriage. Or maybe it's the fourth time through that Bowflex commercial, that same commercial with the same exercise equipment, with the same two physically fit individuals who just seem to be mocking you as they're flexing their biceps and you're halfway through the bag of Doritos on the couch on Friday night. That's, that's where I was this past week. Or how about this? Maybe you did the unthinkable and you looked at your credit card statement for the month of December and how much you've spent on presents and Christmas and the holidays and, oh boy, yikes, right? Do you ever feel weak? Do you ever just feel like you don't measure up? Today we're talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a Christmas message, but I think it's a great message for Christmas. And here's my bottom line. I'll give it to you right off the bat. When I am weak, he is... That's just great. Well, my job here is done. I could just leave, right? When I am weak, he is strong. He is powerful when I am powerless. Your power your capability, what you are going to accomplish for God's mission is not determined by your physical capacity, your ability, your strength, your your beauty. In God's mission, it's, it's not determined by your spiritual capacity, your goodness, your piety, your, your righteousness. The empowerment of the Spirit is not contingent on your intellect. It's not contingent on how much you know or whether or not you have the script memorized or if you can argue your way through anybody. Because when I am weak, 
he is strong. He is powerful when I am powerless. We're talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit this morning. Would you join me in prayer as we begin? Father God, I pray you'd help us to embrace the truth of our weakness so that we can then embrace the truth of your power. God, help us to know it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to have everything together. Actually, it's more than okay. It's normal. It's humanity. It's where we're all at. But God, thank you that in our imperfectness, your perfection gets to shine through. God, thank you so much that in our weakness, you meet us with your strength and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit active and at work in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4 today, if you have your copy of the scriptures. Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Are you ready? Do you feel like energized after all those power poses? I think that's what they're supposed to do. You can use those anytime if you like. Yeah, Wayne's got it. Here we go. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's 3 p.m. Jewish tradition was three times of prayer a day. I think Islamic tradition is four times of prayer a day. You know what I think the best power pose is? Prayer. On your knees, hands folded. I think that's, that's the Christian's power pose. You want to practice a power pose that's actually going to accomplish something? Get on your knees, fold your hands in prayer. 3 p.m., they're headed to the temple to pray. Verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that's called Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So here's a crippled man. He's lame from birth. We learn later on that he's over 40 years old. So for 40 years, this man has experienced this disability. And I don't know how many decades they carried him and sat him in the same spot every day so he could ask the same thing of the people passing by. And they only carried him so far because if the lamb had blemished, it wasn't worthy of sacrifice. If the priest had certain disabilities, then he wasn't allowed in certain services in the temple. And tradition skewed that truth to say, if you have a disability, you're not welcome inside. So they only carried him as far as the gate of the temple, and that's where he sat. But surely the religious people on the way to the building of prayer would be the ones to be generous, right? Hopefully the people in our community look at the church and would say, you know, the first place to go if you need to experience generosity and love, it's the church. Hopefully. I hope. Um, He's carried to the gate, can't go any further. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 21. Do you remember the story in Matthew chapter 21? It's, it's up on the screen here, but Jesus comes into the temple. He turns the tables of the money changers, those who sold pigeons. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer, not a house of robbers. And you know what happened next? Verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. I love that. They came to him in the temple and he healed them. This lame man wasn't welcomed in the temple. It wasn't customary to allow people with disabilities into the temple, but Jesus changed that. His mission changes that. Jesus invites access, not based on my merit, but based on his perfection. 
Verse 3, Acts chapter 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, this lame man asked them to receive alms. Probably had a statement that he said over and over, repeated day after day. Verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him. Now get this. What's it look, to, look like to gaze? Give me your best gaze face. Right? You folks online watching the TV screen, what does it look like to gaze? Peter gazes at him. It says John does the same. Now Peter and John are both gazing at this man. And here's what they say. Look at us. So now the three of them, they're all looking at each other. Verse 5, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. You know, the simplest thing that you can do for somebody in need is to actually see them. To actually stop and listen to them. To actually take the time, get on their level, and empathize with them instead of just sympathize, sympathizing for them. Empathy connects us. Sympathy actually, actually does distance us. We feel sorry for somebody instead of sorry with somebody. Now, I was chatting with somebody who reached out for help, and I was getting their name, their number, their contact information, how we could go about helping them, and then I was going to close the conversation. And I thought to myself, how ridiculous is this? We're trying to reach people. Somebody's reaching out for help. And I'm going to close the conversation after I get all the necessary information. So I did this really awkward segue. And instead of saying goodbye, I said, why don't you tell me how you're actually doing? It's been a tough year, hasn't it? How has it affected you? And then for like 10 minutes, I heard this person's life story and all their struggles. I had an opportunity to pray with them. And now we're looking at ways of following up. How many of those opportunities do we totally miss because we just keep going by? Or, or we do what's expected? Or... We feel guilt or shame or, or maybe we feel embarrassed to look. So we look away and, and that person is never seen because nobody ever looks because they don't want to offend them and in turn they're actually offending them because nobody ever sees them. Peter's gazing at the man. John is gazing at the man. The man's staring back at Peter and John. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold. And that's usually where the conversation ends, right? Sorry, I don't, I don't carry any change. How many times do we focus on what we don't have, what we can't do? Well, I can't do it for this person because I can't do it for every person. It's not fair if I just do it for one person. We so often focus on, on the can't instead of the can, don't we? We focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. I'm not talking about a glass half full sort of optimistic view on life. I'm talking about the treasure that we truly have. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, the hand of respect, the hand of honor, the hand of blessing, the hand of authority. Took him by the right hand and raised him up. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Peter gives this man a hand up instead of a hand out. He could have thrown a coin at the man. He could have given the situation a Band-Aid fix, maybe help the man feel good for a moment, let him, let him get a coffee at Tim Hortons or something like that. We, 
we know they had a practice of giving money, distributing money to any who had need. That's what chapter 2 of Acts tells us. So they probably had resources they could have thrown at the man. Instead, we have this miracle. Verse 8, and leaping up. Imagine what that would feel like. You've never walked. Over 40 years old, you've never walked. People have carried you everywhere you've gone. You've sat at this gate year after year, maybe for decades, asking for money. And now you can walk, so you stand up and you leap. Should we practice that? Should we all get up and do a few jumping jacks? We need to be thankful, don't we? This man jumped up. He leapt. He stood, he began to walk. He entered the temple with them, verse 8 says. He's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. Maybe he's doing backflips and cartwheels. Maybe for the first time in his life, he's entering the temple because now he feels worthy. Now he can walk. Now his, his disability is in the past. His defect is in the past. Now he feels worthy enough to enter the temple. That's religion. Get yourself cleaned up. Get your life figured out. Take care of those issues and then you can come in. I pray people would never see that in our church, that people would never think, oh, I, you know, I can't come to church. You know, they would never accept my lifestyle. Well, no. Let me tell you, Jesus is the most accepting. And we're all here because Jesus was the only one to accept us and loves us enough not to leave us that way. That's why we're here. Can I tell you, if you're at home today thinking, I would never come to the church facility, I can watch at home because it's safe. You know, people don't get to see all my problems and issues and I can hide behind a computer screen. Can I tell you, you are welcome to come. Jesus invites all who are weary and heavy laden to come and he will give you rest. You don't need to figure out your life. You don't need to fix all of your issues, take care of the demons in the closet before you can come you can't clean the fish before it's caught. Jesus says, come, and then let his love and his mercy and his grace wash over you. His blood cleanses all unrighteousness. Verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God. Can you imagine? They've come into the temple at this time of day through that gate probably I don't know how many times they've seen this man sitting there. And verse 10 says, they recognized him. Of course they did. They saw him over and over and over and over. Maybe they had given him money over the years. Maybe they had helped him out over the years. They recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow. Miracle. He's hoping for a buck and now he's dancing like a deer. It's not hunting season anymore, is it? Is that okay? But he got more than he could ever ask for, more than he thought was coming. Wow, a miracle. God can heal through the Holy Spirit at work in his church. It's exciting. But I don't think it's the main thought of this passage. I think like almost every miracle in the Bible, it's a setup for the proclamation of the gospel. It's a platform. It's an opportunity to preach the miracle of all miracles, that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us, that we can have forgiveness. And then Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life and hope and purpose and a mission. That's the miracle of all miracles, the good news of the gospel. But first, let's talk about gifts of healing. I think we, we should pause for a moment, have a little bit of a commercial break, and talk about this. I don't think it's the theme of this passage, but I think we should address it for a moment. Now, gifts of healing, 
charismatic gifts of the Spirit, these are areas where Christian leaders and brilliant commentators, people who've studied the Bible, are on all different pages. And it, it would be totally ridiculous for me to step up here and say, I'm going to clarify what all those people couldn't, because I can't. But I can give you a few basics here to maybe help in conversation, discussion, and, and what you think about it. So, Peter, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, was able to heal this man. What does that mean for us today? Can we heal? If we have the Holy Spirit active and working in us because we've received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, does that mean we can then go out and heal the people around us? Or what does that say about that situation that we prayed harder and had more faith for than ever before and the situation didn't seem to get better? What does it say about that? Do we not have enough faith? Do we not have the Holy Spirit working through us? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.9 says this, To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now notice it doesn't say that he gave to the church healers. He gave gifts of healing. Are there supernatural healings today? For sure. How could you deny that? I've heard the testimonies. I've, I've seen it myself. Incredible, miraculous things that God has done through the Holy Spirit, working through the church, through prayer, to see physical changes in people's lives. It happens. God is, God is capable. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. Who are we to say that God can't? Are there supernatural healers today? No, I don't think so. I don't think that the gift of healing is attached to a person. I believe it's, it's a supernatural grace that comes only from a supernatural God for a moment, for a specific instance. John Piper says it came in a moment for a moment. It can't be fabricated. It can't be repeated at will. James chapter 5, here's an example in scripture of what we're talking about. God tells the sick to call on the elders of the church. Do you remember this? Lay hands, anoint with oil, and pray for their healing. James encourages that. Should we pray for people's healing? Yeah, we should totally pray for people's healing. Why wouldn't we? Leave it in God's hands. I think that's the key. We have to leave it in God's hands. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His, his will above our own. And for us to think that we have deemed a situation worthy or necessary or best suited for God's miraculous healing power is to overrun and overrule God's sovereign plan at work in the earth. I think of, of Paul who prayed, if there be any way, remove this thorn from me, that annoying, frustrating thorn in the flesh. And God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. All right, enough of a commercial break. Let's jump back to our story here. You with me? We're on page three, okay? But you don't know how many pages there are. All right. Peter heals the lame man by the power of God within him. They enter into the temple. You've got Peter, John. You've got the man who was lame. He's now leaping and dancing. Peter uses the miraculous sign as an opportunity to preach the even greater miracle, the goodness of God 
of the gospel. Acts 3, verse 11. While he, this man who was lame, who's now dancing and leaping and running, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Solomon's porch, it's an area in the temple court. It's got this overhanging roof structure that's about 45 feet wide. It's a common place for preaching and teaching in in the public square, so to speak. We're going to see it through the book of Acts time and time again. So remember Solomon's porch. Verse 12. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us? As though by our own power. Everybody say power. Power. If you're at home, throw it in the chat. Power or piety. We have made him walk. Now here's a sticking point. Are we too complacent when it comes to the power of God? I can only speak for myself, but I am way too complacent when it comes to the power of God. You know, if if this morning we had somebody come into our facility who was confined to a wheelchair, and by the end of the service, they left this facility in their own strength, walking on their own two feet, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, it would make the paper, news would spread, everybody in Colchester County would know the entire story, all the details, I'm sure it'd be twisted a few different ways, by Wednesday, right? Everybody would know. The media would be in here. But the truth is, God's performing an even greater act of power within the hearts of mankind through his grace and mercy, through his redemption, through his forgiveness of sin, through the newness of life that he gives. That's the greater miracle, but it doesn't seem to make the headlines, does it? It's almost not tangible, not physical, not in our face enough. We're way too complacent when it comes to the power of God, and I think this is the sticking point. This is the tension that Peter begins his sermon. Peter takes this opportunity of this miracle to preach the good news, not to perform more miracles, but to preach the good news. Verse 13, why are you so amazed? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one, asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. Think about that statement. You killed the author of life. Wow. Whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Why are you so amazed at a lame man who now walks? When just a few months earlier, Jesus, whom you delivered, whom you denied, whom you sent to death, not only walked again, he rose from the dead and walked again. We are all witnesses. Why are you so amazed at this when two months earlier you witnessed this? You caused this within the accordance of God's overall plan. Do you remember the series this past summer on Jesus' miracles and mercy. Steve made the point that the spiritual miracle far outweighs the physical miracle. 
Every time Jesus performed a miracle, it was often within the context of giving the gospel, talking about, you, you remember when the lame man carried by his friends, kind of a similar story we're talking about, was lowered down through the roof and Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. When he saw their faith, son, your sins are forgiven you. Rise, take up your bed and walk. The physical miracle is far outweighed by the spiritual miracle. Peter says, why are you so amazed at this? Have you already forgotten about Jesus? You guys delivered him. You denied him. You sent him to his death. And he walked again for you and for me. Peter then goes all the way back. He goes into the Old Testament scriptures. The same thing that we're doing on this three-year journey through the Bible. We're going through all the Bible and pointing out that it all points to Jesus. Peter goes back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, and from the Old Testament scriptures, he shows how it all points back to Jesus. He takes this miraculous opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus. Now, Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. His message was all about repentance, faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, now get, the, get this list that gathered here. The priests... The captain of the temple, that's a pretty prestigious term, isn't it? Captain of the temple. And the Sadducees came upon them. And they're greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead. I don't know if annihilationists or whatever, they believed there was nothing. When you die, you close your eyes. I don't know what that's like, just eternal blackness. I don't understand that view, but... That's why the Sadducees were so sad, you see. Was that a bad pastor joke? Yeah, that was bad? Okay, duly noted. Duly noted. An old one. Yeah, it, it is a really old joke. It didn't originate with me. Verse 3. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening, because Jewish law was you can't perform a trial at night, even though they made an exception for Jesus, because they just had to get that guy, right? So they throw them in prison for the night. Peter and John are the first ones to spend a night in prison for the cause of Christ as recorded in Scripture. Verse 4. Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Get that, 5,000. Now, they didn't have internet. They didn't have robotic cameras, and they could send out a live feed to everybody anywhere who has a connection to YouTube or Facebook. We're at 5,000 people. Just a few months after Jesus appeared to more than 500, now the church is 10x, 5,000 people. Incredible. Verse 5, on the next day after spending a night in prison, maybe bonds and chains, the rulers, the elders, the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the whole high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? This is the religious elite. This is the same crowd that Jesus stood before on the night of his trial. Potentially, Peter is in the same position with the same people that he was in when he denied Jesus three times. Now they're asking him a very similar question. Not surely you are one of them because you have a Galilean accent, but... By what power 
By what name do you do this? Now, is, is Peter going to be motivated by his shame and guilt, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and feel that, hey, I'm in the same place with the same people. Now's the time to redeem myself and really speak up. Is that what's going to build the courage in him to speak the word of God to these people, the religious elite? Look at this. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the protein shake that he had had that morning after his workout that night in the jail cell with all the prisoners. Is that what it says? No. Uh, Then Peter, filled with the good deeds that he had performed that past week, all the money he had given and distributed, all the acts of service and kindness. No. Then Peter, filled with the knowledge that he had attained from culinary school when he got his degree on how to fillet fish, right? No. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to them, probably one of the bold statements, one of the most bold statements in all of Scripture, the, the exclusive claim of Christianity. Jesus' statement from John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Exclusivity. Peter says, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yes, Peter. This is the scared fisherman who denied Jesus three times. Who's now standing up in the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking God's truth to the religious elite. Verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, They perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that verse. I think that's probably one of the key verses of this passage. That's what blew me away the first time I read it. They saw the boldness of Peter and John, but they perceived that they were uneducated, ordinary, common Nothing elite or respectable about them. They're just fishermen from Galilee. They're just following in their father's shoes, mending the nets and out on the boat. What do they know? They're just common, just ordinary, redneck. But they saw their boldness. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love that. How do we get to the point where, where people don't get so, so caught up with our accolades and the perception of ourselves that we present with them, leading with our strengths and making sure our best foot's forward and cleaning up the house before the company arrive to present it like this is how we always are. How do we get to the point where people see through our weakness power of God. Somehow, whether they said it out loud, they gave a visual response, Luke records that they were recognized as having been with Jesus. How do you get recognized for being with Jesus? Well, let me, let me tell you something that's going to blow your mind. It starts with being with Jesus. Doesn't it? Is that, is that pretty deep today? It starts with being with Jesus. Where were Peter and John when we started this story? They're on their way to the temple to pray. They're on their way to prayer regularly, consistently, 
scheduled, 3 p.m. Let me tell you, if you go into your week and you have no plan, you just hope to find some time to spend with Jesus, it's going to fail before it begins. But if you are so routine and so scheduled that, hey, I got to get to the temple at 3 p.m., you're going to miss the lame man at the door. You're going to miss the opportunity that God presents. See, if we're walking with Jesus in the light of his word, he sheds a glory on our way, doesn't he? The word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we're going about our daily business, as we go, we take the opportunities. They saw the lame man standing there, the religious elite, Peter and John, the lame man is standing there with them, which I love. Maybe he was locked up with them that night. I don't know. And they see the lame man standing there and they think to themselves, we can't do anything about this. Uh, we, can't, we can't pay people to lie and say, well, he, he was just faking it for 40 years, sitting out there so that they could fabricate this miracle No, it actually happened. It was actually a miracle. All these people recognized him in the temple. It was a very public place. And the religious elite, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priest family, they basically say, we can't argue with this. What can we do? So they threaten Peter and John. You are not to speak in the name of Jesus again. And then Peter responds with, whether it's right to listen to God or to man, you can be the judge. But we have to tell of what we have seen and what we have heard. We have to preach this good news message of Jesus. So what do they do? They threaten them further and then they kick them out. And the next part of Acts chapter 4 is the Christians gathering to pray for more boldness. I love that. More boldness. Let's do a quick recap, an application, and then I'm done. Does that sound good? We have a lame man. We have the religious elite. And then we have ordinary fishermen. The lame man represents disability. Your physical ability. Do you feel weak today? I was talking to somebody this morning about sore knees. Yeah, I've experienced that. Do you feel weak today? Then the second group, the religious leaders, those who failed big time, they delivered Jesus, they denied Jesus, they sent Jesus to his death. Religion can only get you so far. They were still morally corrupt. And then Peter and John, the, the uneducated, the fishermen, the ordinary common guys, They represent intellect. You're never going to know all the answers. There's always going to be somebody smarter. There's always going to be a question that you can't fully answer. I've I've never seen anybody argued into Christianity. Physically, intellectually, spiritually, we are weak. Until we embrace the truth of our weakness... We can't embrace the truth of God's power at work within us. I'd like to end with this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. This is the verse that was in my mind the whole time I was studying this passage. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure 
Speaking of God's goodness in the face of Jesus Christ, the gospel message, God's love come to the world. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power, everybody say power, power belongs to God and not to us. Power belongs to God and not to us. You might say today, you know what, Pastor Josh, that's all well and good, you know, encouraging. Hey, you even got me to give you a little pity laugh today. Thank you very much. But this is so much more than that. If you feel weak today, you're in the right place to receive his strength. Do you realize that? It's not until you realize your weakness, you can experience his strength. Have you ever tried to go it in your own power? Have you ever bought into that lie that I'm going to do as much as I can and then I'm going to have God fill the void with the rest? No, it's not until I get to the extent of myself that then I'm going to trust God. I've still got a little more rope to go before I'm at the end. It's when we embrace our weakness that we can embrace his power. Let's end there today. Let's end in a word of prayer. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. We are weak. I am weak, but he is strong. Jesus, thank you so much that in our weakness, you are strength. God, help us not to go in our own power. Help us not to go in our own accolades, whether it's physical, spiritual, intellectual. Help us never to rely on our own strength. But God, help us to trust and rely on you. Lean not on our, on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledge you. God, thank you for who you are today. Thank you for Jesus Christ, his death in our place for the forgiveness of our sins, his resurrection, bringing us life, bringing us hope and purpose, a home in heaven. God, if there are any today at home who've realized for the first time, come face to face with their own weakness, their own depravity, their own sinfulness, as we all have, as we all must, God, I pray that today they would receive your strength, your grace, your mercy. The gospel message that you offer in Jesus Christ, the good news that we can be freed from sin, we can be forgiveness for our, forgiven for our weakness, our shortcomings, the areas where we don't measure up because your glory is the standard. Thank you so much that you're willing and able to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all righteousness. God, I pray if there are any today in that place, that they would reach out, maybe for the first time, and receive your gospel message today. That they would accept and admit their own sin and weakness, that they would believe in the name of Jesus Christ, that they would call out and be saved. God, thank you for who you are today. For your strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.